Hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Sunday, September 11th, 2022. Um, it's a gloomy Sunday morning in Brooklyn today. I guess it's meant to rain all day. Um, every year I'm kind of surprised by the manner in which the seasons turn. And, and this year, at least here, it feels um, particularly abrupt, which actually felt like exactly right at least for um the summer i had i feel like i woke up on labor day last week and the air was crisp and i was like yeah i think i think i'm ready for a new vibe <laughs> um well you guys this is the ninth star girl episode and i've been feeling really excited lately because i was thinking back to the beginning of the summer when i started this project and i was just I don't know, so much hesitancy vibe. And my boyfriend told me, you have to make eight episodes. The question of whether or not you will continue doesn't exist until you've made eight episodes. And I was like, okay. And then I was realizing the other week when I um, was posting the Tinks episode, oh my God, this is the eighth episode. And the question of whether or not I will continue actually just doesn't exist at all. I don't know, really excited to just, I guess, see um, the principle of inertia at work. <laughs> I'm like, wow this like you build momentum and that should become self-sustaining like um so i'm just feeling so happy and i know i've said this a million times but really just so grateful for everyone who has given their support in their own way um anyways so before we jump in today i wanted to kind of do like uh just do a look back at kind of the star girl principles that we've set up thus far um just because i was in this kind of greater reflection i was like oh we have some really strong kind of like foundational pillars um of this world that we're building and just kind of um might be worth it to i kind of itemize them and just really like get crystal clear on them so that we can um, take them forward, build on them, complicate them, um, find exceptions to them in, in all of the other girls to come. Um, so I, I did make a list. Um, I think if there are three big takeaways that I want to talk about, it's one, the nature artifice continuum two ripe dead, and then three narrative control. So the first one, Nature Artifice Continuum, I talked about in the first episode on Andre Gelman. So um, to recap, that's this idea that, that there's a spectrum on one end is artifice, on the other is nature. And it's, it's a useful tool to think of when assessing kind of expressions of femininity, but also just culture and cultural values more generally, because um, I feel like we see a pendulum swing from one end to the other on the spectrum, like every couple of years or so. Um, so... On the artifice side, that would be things like technology, progressive politics, and then also like plastic surgery, right? Um, and this very like thinking, steering, controlling, more very like masculine energy is one way to think about it. Then on the natural end of the spectrum, it's kind of everything else, right? So it's this big kind of surrender to 
natural world which includes like harmony and chaos and everything in between um and so i think of that as kind of like more uh kind of hyper feminine energy and so yeah i guess artifice nature you could think of as like man versus nature or something like that um so that is a good tool so so of the girls we've talked about like high artifice vibe would be like tinks or audrey gelman at the time that she was doing the wing it's actually interesting because she is now with six bells and the way she like presents herself now she has like swung much more toward the natural side of things um like her now she doesn't straighten her hair as a tiny example okay then on the extreme natural end of the spectrum i would put like sydney sweeney um and i think and everyone else is kind of somewhere in the middle. I would put like Allison more on the natural side, but there's still some artifice in there. I would put Gia closer to the artifice side than Allison. Um, I'd put Addison on the natural side. Um, I would put Emrata more on the artifice side, um, but I see that as a big missed opportunity because I think of her as someone who, if she could just like stop <laughs> she actually does naturally embody a lot of these natural ends of the spectrum so she i mean she's a little bit confused on where she is what she's up to but okay i think we get that um general picture um today we're going to talk about grimes and i think grimes is both extremely artificial and extremely natural at once so this is kind of the horseshoe politics of the whole thing right where she's like so synthetic she's actually like back into the natural area um Okay, so that's that. Um, the second point was ripe dead, which I feel like we have established um, pretty clearly by now. Um, you know, I, most of the girls we've talked about are ripe, and I certainly don't think that ripeness is a pillar of Stargirldom. I think actually just I'm much more like knowledgeable and comfortable analyzing and criticizing ripe girls because I like feel like that's more my territory and I'm just like oh I can like speak with more authority on the psychology of this type <laughs> versus like dead girls I'm like oh that's like just dead is a little more out of scope for me um but I'm going to challenge myself but I would say like Sally Rooney is probably the deadest vibe that we've talked about um Grimes is dead I think Emrata I mean she's she's one of those cusp people but um Tinks, Sydney, Addison, Allison, Gia. Those are all ripe gals to me. Um, that's just a fun one to bring forward. Um, and then the third pillar was narrative control, right? So, um, and this was just kind of a label I slapped on to as an umbrella for all of these different kind of subcategories that we've talked about of active, passive, agency, the illusion of agency or the drive for agency. Um, and I think this plays into both how much control they want in defining their persona and secondarily how much control we are aware of them having right so we talked about like with sydney she is obviously smart and savvy in a lot of ways but we have this illusion that she doesn't she's not really steering our perception of her whereas someone like emily radikowski or even gia i would argue you can really you're really aware of the fact that they are being that they are making decisions about how they present themselves at all times you know the um, the degree to which they are successful obviously always varies, but that's one thing to think about. Yeah, I guess those are the three things I want to bring forward. Nature, artifice, continuum, ripe dead, and uh, kind of narrative control. Um, other things we've talked about, I guess, um, this, this impulse to make yourself relatable and the kind of um, pluses and minus, minuses of that position right so I would say like Gia and Tinks these are people that are really concerned with appearing 
relatable and down to earth and just like you, whatever. And so we've talked about kind of like how that can be really successful in earning trust, but then also how flimsy that model can be. Um, Another thing we've talked about is um, the kind of importance of category leaders. Um, And category leader isn't just a way to define a star girl, but I've actually been trying to point to the uh, like real deep social, cultural, psychological importance of having category leaders, right? So we've talked about like Gia, Allison, Sally Rooney. I mean, I think there's a case to be made for all of these girls at a category leader where it's like they are at the top and then it becomes this organizing principle for the rest of the players in their space, for the people who consume them, et cetera. So that's another thing. Um, All of these girls in their own way have had um, like a blip with controversy, whether it's like one kind of like PR fire drill vibe or there's kind of like controversy surrounding them all of the time and so we've talked about the different ways in which they tried to answer to controversy and seen what has been more successful or less successful right like some people that completely ignore it some people that really latch do big public apology and are really invested in changing the way the public views their like morality or ethical code, right? So I feel like Gia and Allison are great examples of people who it's like the attack on them being bad made them do full life overhaul. They're like, and we are like, you know, I think Gia more so than Allison. Um, Another thing we talked about was um, people who just have like one lane versus kind of the multi-hyphenate vibe. So I think the extreme ends to point to here are like Sally Rooney versus Tinks right so Sally Rooney is an Irish novelist that is what she does Tinks is well actually she's <laughs> she's British American right so to start she's a slashy nationality wise and she is um right there's just like an ever-expanding list of um roles that she plays right um so anyways it's good to when you're thinking about a girl to be like okay which one of these boxes do they fall in you know are they ever expanding power in all of these different ways or do they have one thing and they're so good at that thing that they're impossible to ignore um and then another thing we've talked about a lot is beauty um beauty as a phenomenon that is worth protecting and that is also a value that is worth letting yourself hold um i think this was one of the kind of scariest or just like trickiest things that i wanted to talk about and um like and I guess like opinions that I wanted to share um, just because it's so touchy, not even just on the first level of like dictating what you find beautiful versus what you don't find beautiful. Like people can barely handle that conversation, um, let alone talking about the importance of beauty in the world and like really bringing light to the fact that beauty is like a driver in so many ways and that that is not necessarily bad right like people like I feel like like it's all just so touchy that you say like beauty is a value and people think like you're giving eugenics vibes you know and it's like no that is like so many layers of conflation and I just feel like I really want beauty to be something that we talk about and like face and just appreciate (laughs) um so yeah that's that okay I don't know how legible that whole list was because all of these themes do kind of like circle back and fold in on each other um so it's hard to keep them really uh well itemized but I did kind of want to just do that inventory so we have it and we can keep thinking about it and moving it forward
But I do, um, in looking back, think of all of these things as really um, kind of essential for the Stargirl Foundation course, <laughs> which is what I'm calling this first series. So today is going to be the last episode in the Stargirl Foundations course. We're going to talk about Grimes today. Um, in looking back at the kind of feminine themes that we've analyzed over the past couple of months, I felt like there was like a big gap in terms of talking about kind of, um, you know, darkness and weirdness and evilness. And like Grimes is a perfect person to kind of like tee up all of these themes that then we can, you know, expand and um, open up and really like analyze in a bunch more ways. But um, so yeah, but I just at least wanted to like set her vibe and the vibe that she represents as a really like critical you know divine feminine space um that's that all right so let's get going with our star girl news um the queen died um i am absolutely not a like royal fanatic not an anglophile like i've never been super super drawn to um, kind of like royal family history. Um, I watched The Crown with my parents <laughs> like a year ago. Um, so, and I like learned a lot through that. So if that gives you an idea of my um, knowledge base, it is extremely thin. But the one thing that I was thinking about after she died was just like, wow, like really the leaderless Western world kind of continues, right? Not, I'm not talking about even from like a policy politics standpoint, but just like symbolically, I'm like, damn, we've got some weak heads of state. <laughs> so I was thinking about that. And yeah, just the crisis of leading males continues, right? Where it's like, okay, we have a king and it's Charles. It's just, yeah, I was, I was actually just the other day asking my boyfriend, like, who's the king of New York? We fully came up soft. We were like, we couldn't think of anything. So King of New York, King of America, King of England, King of the Western world. I think it's ex we're extremely adrift. So um, I'm not sure what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't actually have any more analysis of that, but I did just want to acknowledge. Um, yeah, acknowledge her death. The next item is um, Kim Kardashian was on the cover of Interview Magazine. And I'm going to pull up the image. Um, okay, so... So on the cover of Interview Magazine, um, there is an American flag as the backdrop. She is in a cropped denim jacket and a pair of blue jeans that are pulled down below her ass and her ass is fully visible and she is wearing a jock strap and her hair is dyed platinum and she has this kind of like 80s kind of Farrah Fawcett-y um, haircut with lots and lots of layers that are kind of swooped back and then she has her eyebrows bleached blonde when I saw this cover my first thought was oh this is the end of something um it reminded me of two summers ago when the WAP music video came out that song with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion where you know for the past couple years we had kind of been flirting and then building on and then like really um explicitly illuminating this kind of raunchy femininity right where it was like oh like like you know what's hot is girls being freaks like girls are horny girls want to like go all night girls want to are like going to be really kind of in your face and gross and like it's all kind of sort of feminist and then like also sort of like um but it wasn't really like dommy sexuality like it was more just this kind of like I want to ride energy um and then and it was all kind of, you know, one-upping 
itself in pop culture and then this video came out and it was like whoa okay that's actually just like that's over the line of even it's too it's explicitly itself it, like the vibe is too saturated there's not enough space left for abstraction which is what makes something feel exciting or interesting or hot or sexy or whatever um so it was just kind of like too far to the whole thing so this kim k interview mag cover is obviously a tipping point for a totally different set of aesthetics and ideas but it feels too saturated too over the line in all of these ways so i would say so i would list them out as like um, past couple of years, like reinterest in Americana imagery, right? And kind of both with the blonde bombshell and the red, white, and blue, and this kind of like patriotism vibe. And then also with the kind of like bionic, genderless vibe, right? With her bleached eyebrows and her wearing a jock strap. It all feels very like it's just too much. I don't know. I saw a lot of stuff on TikTok of just people being like, absolutely iconic like it's giving and I was just like actually I think she looks bad and I nothing about this is actually shocking because this is just like the way too loud natural progression of what we've been seeing in editorial but also just like in images in the world for like the past year and now it's just like right so it's land of this like you know, a year ago, the Met Gala was Americana. And we were seeing all of this Star Spangled Banner energy and Horse Girl energy and like all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like now this is just like, oh, okay, well, there's not actually any, there's no, there's no tension left in those images. Um, and so this kind of just fully broke the seal on that, I guess. Um, and then it was also just like way too obvious, right? Like five years ago, I actually think it was, yeah, September 2017, Kim and North had been on the cover of Interview and she was like styled to look like Jackie Kennedy, right? And so now it's this kind of like, oh, she can do it all, right? Like we just, I don't even know. Well, that's another thing. It's like we just saw her as Marilyn like three months ago at the Met Gala in the spring. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was extremely lazy. <laughs> by interview magazine anyways um I guess one question though that we can ask is like if there's nothing left to mine out of Americana imagery like what's kind of next my prediction and my hope is that we're actually going to back to full princess vibes so I think we've already seen kind of um inklings of this like I even just think of like Sadie Sink in her look at Venice last week um and even a lot of the stuff that Sydney has been wearing where it's more kind of um it just feels kind of more sculptural and ethereal kind of at once, right? Um, I definitely think like angel stuff, that whole trope is ran through. But I think that there actually might be a lot of mileage out of like princessness. Um, Sydney and Sadie are both styled by Molly Dixon. So like that could just be like one chick's <laughs> recent vision. But yeah, I just think sculptural, regal, princess, in in line for the throne type of beauty. Um, almost kind of prom-like. Like I'm wondering if there we might even see a resurgence of like Jessica McClintock, BCBG kind of vibes. Um, just like bodice and flow. Yeah, I guess just gown, gown vibes. Um, and I think that that would be well welcome after we're seeing a woman's full bare ass in a jock strap. You know, it's like, no, I think we're ready to move on. Anyways. Okay, well, speaking of Venice, right, Venice Film Festival was happening the past week or so. So this was the first time that we were seeing Sydney um, in public in a big way since the whole, like, her mom's 60th birthday party hoedown little fiasco, right? 
as I predicted. She said nothing more. She arrived looking absolutely beautiful at Venice. She's she's moved through the controversy because she she just kept on moving. So I'm proud of her. Um, okay, the only other thing I want to talk about about Venice is um, not actually about anything that happened there, but it's a good moment to talk about who is not a star girl, right? I feel like equally as useful as talking about who is is saying who's not because then you can kind of I think it helps with the differentiation okay who is not a star girl is everyone involved in the don't worry darling situation first of all just what absolute amateur hour from all of these people this is not interesting drama this is all fake noise that is just boring honestly um so yeah Olivia Wilde obviously can't even like she's not cut out for it I don't know what's going on um Florence Pugh no she is this is a good example of like someone who you know she makes an entrance she is controversial but she has no follow-through and I'm not even talking about like whether or not she's like a good actress I don't know who wants to adjudicate that but it's just like there's nothing like this is an example of a type where there's like no one is talking about you except for the like little shit storm that you create right so there's not actually like a natural magnetism occurring she's just talking about herself or acting out or being childish or whatever and then that like becomes a news item but she is not in and of her in and of herself she does not possess these star qualities um so yeah and then it will be this these big like I don't even know she'll just wear something that looks fucking random but it's like high drama right so maybe that's it it's like you can't just be high drama right so we get that um oh well this all started because I was making the list of people who are not star girls not related to Venice but here's a few Bella Hadid Kendall Jenner Charlie XCX Dua Lipa Dixie D'Amelio. None of these girls are star girls. That doesn't mean they're bad at their job. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be celebrities. That doesn't mean they aren't beautiful or they have bad style or like whatever. It just means that that's a separate breed of girls. Um, And they all feel very similar to me and just kind of like, I have wondered whether or not Charlie XCX is a star girl, but I think ultimately she is just follower vibes. So um she's pandering to an existing circle she is not disrupting something anyways oh also Dixie just shaved her head like yesterday or the day before so I guess that's something okay the last thing is just since I brought it up last week about Emrata going off on um TikTok she is like really pursuing a friendship or at least really documenting a budding friendship with Z-Way and I'm just interested in this I'm like it's I don't know it's very um I want to know what you guys think about it it's like surprising and not I think they're both kind of similar in some ways um in terms of like being neurotic but seeming concerned about all the like wrong things I don't know okay all right that's that we gotta we gotta keep it moving okay so today we're talking about Grimes um I mentioned at the beginning that thinking of this as kind of like um the last in this kind of like foundations of Stargirl rundown um because I was looking at kind of the um the elements and the feminine themes that we had talked about and I realized that we didn't talk that much about like darkness weirdness grossness or like and also just like truly random chicks and it's like so now I'm kind of like rushing it all at the end because certainly each of these qualities 
have the depth and therefore deserve the space of like one person per each but I was like okay you know what Grimes actually can she is a good vessel to talk about all of these things through um I love Grimes I mean I love Grimes's music I like have been extremely at, at different times in my life extremely enchant entranced by her vibe and just like her uh, she, I always thought of her as like so elemental and so synthetic at once. Um, she's like wild and dark and weird and creepy, but like in the sounds that she creates, in the looks that she puts together, in just like her whole portrayal is also very um, artificial and synthetic and cyborgian and yeah, I don't know. Um, I also think that she's like playing with evil in really interesting ways. Um, and I, I think evilness hasn't really come up so explicitly in the other girls that we've discussed certainly there is evil at play um in in so many different ways there's evil in audrey there's evil in emrata there's evil in tanks um but i feel like it like the way that grimes is doing it is just much more like head-on and intentional like she's obviously very interested in um yeah darkness and evilness but not in Whereas those other girls that I just mentioned, they kind of like fall into evilness, but they're like still very obsessed with being good, right? So anyways, I think just um, interesting to look at. Um, I think um, Grimes's star girlness is extremely self-evident. I don't think that I really need to make a case for it, right? She defined a genre um, and the most mar mass market instance of her genre um, and she is hugely controversial and she cannot be tamed like she is in a lane of her own that she created whiling out in perpetuity um so yeah i um first some just like high level background on her uh well grimes is a musician <laughs> Also, I guess like uh, credited as a producer and a visual artist in lots of her projects. Um, interesting to like, do we consider Grimes a slashy or do we consider her just like a musician? I feel like my instinct is to, even though on paper she is like a multi-hyphenate chick, she feels like one thing to me. She's just like this one force. And then the fact that her like energy manifests in all these different mediums kind of feels like just happenstance or like beside the point it doesn't feel like when she does something new it doesn't feel to me like she's like and now I'm going to like direct a music video it doesn't seem like she's trying to like add to her resume it just seems like stuff came out of her you know and this is um whatever maybe she's just extremely even better than Sydney extremely good at masking her own um like narrative control vibes but anyways I think my instinct is to think of her as just as just one thing um, okay, her music is described as like art poppy, electronic, dancey. I don't know. It's very like synthy and kind of sci-fi feeling. Um, I'm like cringe even just like reading out that list because um, I certainly can do no better. But like music journalism is like really at and music writing is really at a low. I think we can all agree. Like the way that you read a pitchfork review and you're like, the way that this is written like makes me want to die. Like it it just feels like so cringe all the time. Um all of these labels that we're trying to like create to get closer to describing the thing. It's just it's really off. Um so I hope we have some 
some new young blood around the corner in that department but anyways okay back to crime so she's 34 years old she's canadian um she has kind of like big three big albums visions art angels and miss anthropocene um she hasn't had an album come out in a couple of years since early 2020 um she had like a random single out and i guess she has like um an ep and an album that are meant to come out by the end of this year i guess we'll see um she was together with elon musk for years um and at a time when he was really under the microscope culturally um they like debuted their relationship at the 2018 met gala um but i feel like by now like he's just so omniscient and huge like the tension around his public image has really played itself out there like very quickly became like not a lot left to say analyze critique about him or him and grimes's relationship right it's just like it went through the news cycle but for a time it was weighing really heavily on the public psyche and on um and on my own for a time too um which i will get into um yeah, I don't know. So I think um, there's not a lot of chatter about Grimes currently because there hasn't been really anything like new that she's given us to um, breathe life into kind of like a new um, like yeah, cycle of analysis. But um, there was a time when people had a lot to say about her. So I wrote an essay about Grimes in summer 2020, um, and which I'm going to read to you um, and kind of annotate as I go. I'm going to just try it out. Um, but some updates since the essay was written, just because it's now a little bit dated, but hopefully not in ways that actually really matter to the like themes and the questions of the essay. Um, one with... Uh, her and Elon Musk have since split, but they did have a second child by surrogate. Um, so now they have two kids together. Um, she is currently on um tour with Swedish House Mafia. She's opening for them. So whatever that's happening. Um, she has, but like I said, she hasn't like in a meaningful way released any new music, though the album and the EP are ostensibly on the way. Um, she was just um in August on the cover of Vogue China. Um, so whatever you can go look that up um and she was also just in the music video for bella porch's song dolls which is so i mean random but then also i don't know i don't even know what to say about that but then that was like nice of her <laughs> um cool but yeah like i i guess i was in thinking about these updates i was like oh yeah not a lot of these really like change a lot of the things that i'm talking about in this um essay did notice a lot of instances of my own hedging um things that I just like don't feel to be true anymore or things that I like feel like I can remember back and I was like I don't think I quite thought that but I was like really nervous to say what I thought so I just like asked it as a open ethical question instead of just like saying what I thought but I don't know whatever um I think in general the stuff that matters is still intact so um cool all right we let's let's get into it so this essay that i wrote um my friend ryan edited for me he was at the time the culture editor for this magazine called soft punk um which has since shut down but the website's still up and running and um i don't know a lot of my friends and i wrote for it and there's yeah there's a lot of awesome stuff out there so i would um i would check it out so this essay is called On Duplicity, Grimes and the Allure of the Fantasy Self. 
2013. He seemed unfazed by the mess of period sex, so I decided I was cool with it, too. Afterward, I watched as he caught his breath, zeroing in on a tiny white head at the center of his chest. My urge to reach over and pop it alerted me to an affection I had apparently already developed for him, never mind that this was only the third time we'd slept together. He reached for his phone and scrolled through his playlist, searching for something apropos. His eyes slid sideways in my direction, his lips spread into a self-satisfied smile. You're into grinds, he said. It sounded like an accusation. I wasn't yet, but for him, I wanted to be. Oh yeah, I said. I love it. Thirty minutes later, I burst through his backyard gate in my pit-stained sundress, struggling to untangle my headphones so I could properly educate myself on whatever the hell Grimes even was. It looked like she, not it, goddammit, had released her first breakthrough album, Visions, the year prior. I started from the top. I'll wait for you, if you want me to, some gremlin voice taunted, over and over again on the first track. Simultaneously dead and infantile, hollow and round, she beckoned as she warned. I didn't understand what the refrain meant exactly, but it made me feel a little less guilty about having lied to this boy about loving something I knew nothing about. Here was a chick, it seemed, who would understand the appeal, no, the necessity, of this particular kind of lie. She would brush it off, knowing how good it had felt to make him think he'd size me up correctly, to confirm his idea of me, even if he was kind of wrong, even if he found parts of it kind of repulsive. So I'm going to pause right here. So this, at least what I was trying to set up, this ideal of kind of fantasy fulfillment was um, really critical to me then and now in the way I see like what Grimes is doing uh, in kind of like the feminine form, right? So there's obviously this kind of like level one given her whole like aesthetic world that she's built with that is like intensely interested in real fantasy um right in terms of like magic fairies pixies sprites like dragons like all of it right um but then there's also this element of kind of uh more abstract fantasy fulfillment in just terms in terms of like i can transport you right like anything is possible right so there's um obviously these elements of like magic and danger and flirting with evil right again this like pixie like quality um but it is, I think of it as very feminine because it is, um, she's setting up this idea that she can fulfill a fantasy as something both like real and fake at once, um, right? So back to what I was saying at the beginning of like she, her being kind of like at once the most artificial and the most natural of the girls we've talked about so far that she's able to really play with the extremes of both of those ends and um, make them feel cohesive and ultimately make it really like um appealing um and uh ex exciting i guess 2014 what i had identified in grimes as a certain fabricated rawness a roundabout route to the elemental via the synthetic became in the coming years the guiding ethos of my own feminine performance Growing up in a largely white, outdoorsy, quote-unquote, progressive bubble in Seattle, I had long felt stunted by the now-stale second-wave rhetoric that glorified the natural and, conversely, pathologized the artificial. Oh, wait, okay, side note there. That's so funny because, like, now I would see, like, second-wave rhetoric as extremely artificial, even though it's glorifying the natural, right? So it's it's kind of, whatever, it's interesting. Um, okay, 
In contrast, Grimes's high-production femininity presented a version of self-expression that felt more reflective of, or at least more open to, an idealized conception of my own girlishness. Okay, that's another thing about Grimes. Is she's extremely young feeling all the time. She's 34. She feels extremely youthful. She could be like a teenager just in the way that she comports herself and and even keeping in mind the fact that she is a mother, right? So, okay. Um it wasn't that I wanted to replicate or even be enveloped by her aesthetic per se. It was just that she seemed to be a rare example of someone who was emboldened rather than degraded by her own stage artificiality. Somewhat paradoxically, she appeared to grow more embodied the less naturally she portrayed herself. At the time, the idea that she would later become involved with Elon Musk would seem almost too on the nose, a lazy rounding out of her galaxy tech manic pixie dream girl persona. I was now luxuriating in undergraduate critical theory classes on so-called new media, poring over issues of hyperreality and cyborgian ethics. I'd never liked sci-fi or played video games, but I understood these cultural artifacts as instruments for larger ideas, as safe fictional sites through which we might experiment with different modes of being. I began to value encounters with art solely for their potential to launch me back into idea land. The only thing getting me through my stack of Philip K. Dick novels was the prospect of discussing Baudrillard on the other side. Grimes, for me, functioned as both object and lens. I liked her music and her look, sure, but I was mostly interested in the way she seemed to manufacture herself as a vessel for others' projections. Right, okay, here. So here, this comes back to the kind of illusion of narrative control, right? Where it's like, she is crafting herself into something fake that somehow feels natural and um, devoid of too much effort on her part, right? So it's this like effortless fakeness that feels real. <laughs> okay i'd been taught by good smart feminists to resist any kind of objectification but was there not some power in imagining and then methodically crafting yourself into something fake i was aware that i identified with grimes primarily for her tendency to self-fetishize that in her i registered a go-ahead for a level of self-involvement and subsequent self-expression i'd often felt shamed out of by my environment growing up on some level, I knew that this navel-gazing, self-deterministic worldview was bad. It was Ayn Rand bad, or at least Kardashian bad. But it wasn't like I could just decide to stop feeling this way. In my 20-odd years of rotating celebrity obsessions, this was the first time I became acutely aware of the fact that my adoration was not confined to the art itself. I wasn't just consuming Grimes' albums and videos. I was using them to access an illusory, invincible side of myself. I hoped that someday I could create those conditions for someone else. Okay, so a couple points here, right? Um, this kind of idea of embodiment through performance and that you can actually get closer to what feels like the truest expression of yourself by performing something, um, by being on stage, right? So we talked about that a little bit with Tinks where it's like, oh, it's actually really in her interest and the world's interest that she found a stage for herself because she obviously is so at home on stage and um, it would be a waste of her gifts and a detriment to her relationships if she didn't have an outlet and she was performing through her day-to-day, -day, right? Um, the other thing is this point about kind of self-mythology and self-fetishization. So Grimes to me is somebody whose like power is largely due to her expert ability to self-mythologize um, and to create this whole personal history and aesthetic world and um, kind of yeah I guess just this, the mythos around her being you know actually Tinks does this too we talked about that too obviously in a completely different realm and with much more kind of um, mundane things but this is a gift and a skill and something that Grimes is also very very good at and um, Taken to its extreme, I think it can look 
just I mean it can be done very poorly and it can also just be annoying um I think of people like Azalea Banks or Julia Fox who okay on instinct I'm gonna say both of them are star girls too um who are really you know like these are people that are really obsessed with their own um kind of prophetic nature and they're really preoccupied by what they see as their own foresight and that they are these like oracles vessels I can't say the word muse but you get it like um they're they're like placed here for this reason to like bring like truth and foresight um to uh to the world so um sometimes it can be a little witchy vibes like I think Azalea Banks is kind of witchy but um anyways it's very interesting I think the the level that Grimes does it which is at once like so I mean she's just like populating her world and um kind of building the case for her like prophetic divine abilities um in so many different ways because she's like just creating all of these different um textures and mediums whereas like azalea banks and julia are just like you know like mouthing off on instagram stories like demanding that this is true um but Okay, well, just while I'm going on this tangent before we jump back into the essay, um, the other thing that came up in that section was about kind of object and lens, so both done and done to. And I think that, you know, when I was talking about Emily Ratajkowski, that was kind of a big point I made as a critique of her, that she wants to both do and be done to at once. Um, But the... I don't think it's a problem in and of itself. It's just that not every woman has that innate effect of being able to house both of those at once whereas someone like Grimes or like Sydney can really appear to be the manipulator and the manipulated at once I think like Emrata the way that she came up and was received by the public was as the done to as the manipulated and then she you know raged against that and is redefining herself as the doer and the manipulator and I think she actually has successfully crossed that boundaries but it has been at the loss of her former identity um so I think her efforts to kind of embody the two don't really work for her just with the with her particular um kind of chart of energetics anyways um this reminded me of something though I was reading the Marlo Granados book um that came out like a year ago I was super late to it called Happy Hour and it's a it's a novel about like two young girls um trying to make it in New York anyways um there's one line in it where the main character Issa is at um like a bar or something and um someone basically I forget who says it or who asks her but it's brought up this idea of like are you ordering or are you on the menu and in the context of this scene in the book um she kind of like flushes and really wants to make it she internally realizes that she really wants to be the one ordering and it's very important for her to make it clear that like she's the one ordering she's not just this like moved by the wind that she has like agency and she's real and she's shrewd and she's clever and she's witty and she's all of these things and it's interesting because when I read that I was like oh wow like it would be I kind of have like the opposite kind of feeling where it's like I so deeply feel like a gentleman in control of the what happens to me in my life that it would be like my dream to just be on the menu right and um yeah anyways that idea of ordering her on the menu do or done to I like that I like that all um okay (laughs) after a long tangent let's go back to the next section 2015 i listened to art angels on an infinite loop the day it came out initially i absorbed little more than the textures i was mainly using the album to propel me through writing a last minute essay on ovid's metamorphoses save for the closing line if you're looking for a dream girl i'll never be your dream girl 
How serendipitous to have singularly identified this lyric, I thought, which happened to dovetail so perfectly with my then-current situation. Now, in my senior year of college, my focus had shifted away from theory and toward the real world, which primarily meant positioning myself as the perfect anti-dream girl for a boy I'd lusted after for years. It was a delicate science. I diligently noted the oddities in his tastes and did my best to refract a series of staged, complimentary idiosyncrasies, taking extra measures to conceal my labor. It was precarious, exhausting, and completely unsustainable, but at the time, I truly believed I was in control. As it turned out, this lyric had not pierced the cosmos to singularly speak to me. In fact, it was the opening line of the Pitchfork album review. I laughed out loud when I read it, tickled by my own myopia. This was not a hidden gem, it was the fucking pole quote. But perhaps there was some magic in that, too. If this line, out of all 49 minutes of dizzyingly cutesy chance-and-play screams, was the obvious snag, it must have been a shared experience. Other girls must have also felt compelled to construct a quasi-fantasy version of themselves for the dating marketplace, and they must have been deriving real pleasure from it, without too much concern as to their own duplicitousness. 2017 Post-graduation, I was living just outside of Nagoya, Japan, where parts of the reality video had been filmed some years back. Reality is a song off Art Angels. My micromanaged job teaching English to Toyota salarymen was a far cry from some imagined Roppongi club scene, but alone in my 250-square-foot apartment eating kombini onigiri, I could transport myself to the world of the video with relative ease. Despite the glaring difference in alluded to social lives, Grimes appeared just as out of place, if infinitely cooler and more self-assured, and as such offered a seductive, imaginary alternative to my own day-to-day. I remembered the first time I had watched the video, years ago in my then-boyfriend's sparse apartment. His scrubby, DSA-touting friend had produced live commentary on Grimes' vapidity. This is so stupid, she's just jumping around in Asia with dyed hair. But I hadn't been phased by his one-note, albeit justified, critique. Actually, I'd recreated the video on my own the next night, crudely approximating it in my dorm bathroom with the lights off, aided by my roommate's cheap portable strobe. I had watched myself dance to the song in the mirror, transfixed by the bounce of my own ponytail, until the shower steam eventually obscured my reflection. Now, alienated and directionless in Japan, I saw Grimes as the gutsier version of me. Not the version who did the right thing, necessarily, but the version who didn't care what people thought of her. Whatever the politics beneath such apparent freedom, I admired her willingness to so unselfconsciously give herself over to her own frivolity. It raised the possibility that through relentless self-mythology, I might actually come out better equipped to connect to people, to create something meaningful in my writing. To read her in the most generous light, Grimes's brazen confidence simply seemed like an expression of love, both for herself and for the world. Um, yeah, okay, I guess one point here is just this, um, the freedom with one's own frivolity, which is what I think is one thing that keeps her feeling extremely girlish. And I also think this kind of feeds into the idea of um, just general lack of self-awareness. We talked about this a lot in Addison's episode when I was talking about um, what to my mind gave her such unique power among all the like early TikTokers that she came up with, which which is that she just was not self-aware at all. She could just throw herself into um, her dances and her lip singing and just her um, performance on camera. And she wasn't, there wasn't this air that she was watching herself or nervous or like embarrassed or she was just fully, fully there. And I think that Grimes um, has the similar, has the similar quality. And she's also just positive and <laughs> fun. So <laughs> love that. Um, okay. 2018. I realized relatively late that it was kind of taboo to like Grimes. The behavior that tended to draw skepticism, her violently erratic Tumblr and Twitter personas, controversial performance conduct, and refusal to participate in various online social justice challenges, all seemed pretty innocuous to me. 
Why did people care if she didn't adhere to the optics-driven quote-unquote responsibilities of celebrity? All told, she was still making great art. Besides, I'd always found the insistence on individual moral purity a disastrous PR strategy. At best, it seemed a sign of stupidity, for wasn't it obvious that any single person would eventually be bad, or at least do some shady stuff to preserve the illusion of being good? When Grimes publicly debuted her relationship with Elon Musk at the Met Gala, though, I retreated briefly from this position. Was consorting with an exploitative billionaire the threshold at which we could no longer separate the artist from her art, an ethical line analogous to supporting Trump? Even as I mulled over the arbitrariness of such moral boundaries, there seemed to be lots of other so-coded evil things in the world that we collectively overlooked. The whole thing made me nervous. The qualities that had drawn me to Grimes, her apparent fearlessness, physical ebullience, and force field against petty criticism, were still intact. But her skill as a fantasy enabler, which I had simultaneously resonated with and felt ashamed of, now seemed to have been weaponized, or at least stumbled upon by the wrong guy. I had always felt that, on some vague ideological plane, I agreed with the way Grimes lived her life, not because we did the same things, but because we seemed to be solving for a similar type of freedom. But now, I saw how such logic could yield decidedly dangerous results when extrapolated out beyond the imagined self. It might mean, for instance, that I'd be comfortable aligning myself with bad people or doing bad things, <laughs> insofar as they made me feel valuable. I guess here... We talked about kind of the ways she flirts with danger. Um, and I was thinking like one way that a lot of Stargirl types court evil is um, by aligning themselves with powerful men. Okay, I guess that's like literally courting evil. But um, yeah, I was just thinking about a lot of times the controversy that surrounds a girl who stands out is actually not really about her, but about her proximity to a man who someone has deemed evil. Okay, the way they just said that made it sound like weirdly like indignant feministy vibes. But with Grimes, there's a lot that people were like frustrated with about her, but it wasn't until she like aligned herself with Elon that it felt like concretized or kind of like this that this issue with her felt earned, you know? Which kind of makes me think it's like, you know, oh, people are just like waiting for the reason but there's this deeper like there's this deeper thing that feels threatening about a girl like Grimes because she's genuinely so talented and genuinely so random that people are just waiting for the like hard-coded bad thing to be like yeah she sucks you know but it's really not about that it's really about how how powerful and free she is and how intimidating that is to people who haven't let themselves who haven't given themselves over to their nature and all the freedom and fun and wildness that comes with it and then on top of it she's actually just so fucking good at what she does and she's successful not just for a niche like if you know you know kind of group of people but actually like she's a pop star you know so um yeah whatever okay 2019 i left his fifth floor walk up with my sunglasses already on the early winter wind slapped me across the face, finally inducing the rush I'd been after the night before. I tucked my AirPods into place and marched toward the F train. Grimes' new single began with a scream, followed by a distorted guitar loop that seemed to build endlessly toward some forestalled, inevitable rupture. We appreciate power. We appreciate power, she declared. What will it take to make you capitulate? He and I had been stuck in a feigned game of cat and mouse for over a year. Initially, the simulated power struggle had been fun, and I had enjoyed indulging in my own over-the-top show. But now that it was clear he'd earnestly fallen for the blown-out caricature I had peddled, the whole thing was turning me off. It wasn't sexy to have this much control. 
I began to question his powers of observation. How could he not see through the con? The alternative, that he could and was choosing to put up with it, was even worse. Sure, I was the one doing mental gymnastics to fake debase myself, but I was starting to suspect that he had some serious self-respect issues. This type of dupe, I realized, had diminishing returns. I still recognized the impulse of Grimes' provocation. Submit, submit, she ordered. But it no longer felt safely transgressive, now that my performance bordered on straight-up manipulation. I should have known that I'd crossed the line months ago, back when I'd stopped feeling the need to act compellingly weird, and had simply defaulted to buying more sparkly hair clips. Um, so I think that this is another Stargirl lesson at work is, um, you know, when caricature kind of goes too far. I guess we brought up Julia Fox earlier in this, um, for the kind of self mythology, but she's relevant here too, um, in terms of like identifying a niche and then fully over indexing on it to the point where like we get completely, um, annulled to it. Right. There's like, it, it's not surprised no matter what Julia Fox does anymore. It's not surprising. And it's, it, be, it feels so one note, even as she's trying to like, edge out the boundaries of this type that she's defined for herself because it just it's just boring it feels like caricature and like it's can be annoying too and I think um you know what Grimes represented to me was finding that um that line and keeping the tension around it because when you overblow a performance no matter what it is it's just it's completely deflates like there's just nothing sexy when the performance goes too far and I think that that we talked about that with um tinks too where it's like sometimes it's just like it's just hitting it home so hard that it's like bro like there's you know we just we can't be along for the ride and we can't even remain interested so um yeah 2020 the couple had been in the news a lot lately between the birth of their child okay never learned how to pronounce her child's name i know for short he goes by x between the birth of their child x her plan to auction off her soul and elon's personal endorsement of kanye's presidential run grimes faced mounting pressure to address her complicity in her boyfriend's megalomania all year the internet had been taking bets was she a cruel co-conspirator or a total pawn in july when elon tweeted pronouns suck it seemed like we might get this clincher we so obviously craved Grimes's reply, which she later deleted, came within minutes. I love you, but please turn your turn off your phone and or give me a call. I cannot support hate. Please stop this. I know this isn't your heart. It was messy, muddled, and perhaps cringily naive, but from my vantage point, it felt sincere. Of course, there would be no tidy, satisfying answer, and perhaps there were real harmful effects from, as one friend put it, Grimes empowering this particular billionaire. But why was her relationship necessarily evidence of a deeper, calculated darkness or privileged ignorance? Wasn't it possible that she'd just been following the same impulse-driven mode of existence she'd been displaying for years, that love and loyalty could exist for her, as it likely did for us, even when it wasn't morally, that is, logically, justifiable? If nothing else, canceling Grimes seemed at odds with the prevailing feminist rhetoric marketed toward millennial women, which presented authenticity as the key to empowerment. Evidently, there were limits to this ideology. Doing you was mission critical for the project of female emancipation, but only for those who automatically ceded to some omniscient, narrow arbitration of right versus wrong. Actually, I felt that Grimes had assisted in my liberation much more than other PC public figures, precisely for her refusal to be corralled into some sort of good liberal ethos. It wasn't that I agreed with everything she said or did, but I respected the ferociousness with which she pursued her own ideas, regardless of how they might be externally politicized. Okay, remember, Stargirls are brave. They are ferocious. They keep their eyes ahead, even if it's not clear what they're walking toward. Okay. <laughs> Mostly, though, my attachment to Grimes was personal, as her model of self-exploration had enabled me to get curious about, rather than repress, certain traits I had been taught to code as narcissistic. 
Through her, I began to re-understand my natural propensity for performance as a neutral trait, one that could certainly cause harm if I was out of alignment, but that wasn't, in itself, something to feel guilty about. I'd watched myself abuse this tendency a handful of times, provoking public fights for show, sending and deleting one too many obnoxious tweets, and had sustained the natural consequences. But I had to trust that over time, I'd continue to develop the instinct to know when I'd cross my own threshold, with the knowledge that I couldn't control how anyone else would choose to interpret my behavior. Because I had seen a part of myself in Grimes, I trusted that she, too, was mediating her own ethics in good faith, even if that meant loving someone whose society had maligned. I knew my loyalty wasn't perfectly morally defensible, but I had to believe that her sweetness still existed, because it meant it still existed in me, too. I woke up at 5am to write, kissing him on the forehead and tiptoeing out of his apartment without locking the door. I'd learned from past flames to take advantage of the morning, when I was most productive, rather than feigning sleep and later resenting the wasted time if it didn't unfold exactly as I had envisioned. Outside, it was a blue dawn. The sky was low and velvety, the streets were nearly empty. I figured if I hurried, I could make it home maskless. Entropy was one of my favorite walking songs. It had debuted years ago on the fourth season of HBO's Girls. Back then, having recently destroyed a relationship with the only boy I felt had ever actually seen me, I'd teared up as the credits rolled. How can something so free feel so rehearsed, Grimes sang out. I wondered if I'd feel this fraudulent and this lonely forever. Now, as I skipped down the arterial to the candy-coated beat, the song felt like a friend. I wasn't sure if this new relationship would be a healthy one. I didn't know if I could stay vulnerable enough to resist slipping into self-parody, but I would try my best. It was too soon to make any claims about our compatibility. I'd never met his friends, and we had yet to disclose our voting records, but we seemed to make decisions from a similar place. Mostly, we were chasing a feeling. Um, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the essay. I guess, um... The other theme that rereading this essay brought up was um, that one of the pillars of kind of deep, deep feminine energy is the ability to create an environment for someone else without their knowledge of your effort. Um, so they might be aware of the illusory staged nature of this environment, but the effort is concealed. So this might be a home. It might be a perfectly made-up face and maintained physical body. It might be in affect or a style or a persona that you are putting forward. Um, but whatever it is, it's done with enough care and skill to be good. But you're not making anyone aware of your effort and you're not asking for anything in return for that effort. Um, Obviously, uh, historically, there's a lot of kind of feminist rage against this, right? Like rage against the ideal of effortless beauty, rage against the thankless work of um, fashioning yourself in an appealing way um, and the expectation of doing that with nothing in return. Um, and and this may be so, and at, at times in my life, I've definitely felt anger around these sort of things but it is still true that it is in general things are more appealing where you don't feel the weight of them right um and so anyways sorry that was like got so out of hand but um with Grimes I think that this is such uh this is so critical in the world that she's building right and we've I've talked about this kind of play between between synthetic and elemental that she's doing but this this world that she creates and this effect that she creates and this really really intense 
um, persona that she's created for herself sometimes somehow still feels natural and appealing and it doesn't feel like oh you're it doesn't feel like you're trying so hard to create this thing that is really um, unnatural in all of these ways um, so I think I really admire that in her and I really admire that I've noticed that as a through line with um, some of these women that we've discussed that I really admire right Sally Rooney's not talking about the effort of her book she's just presenting it and or or at least like when 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 we see these people falling into traps of like justifying their worth of what they're up to when Audrey has done that when Tinks has done that um when Emily Ratajkowski has done that it's like it's a turnoff right so we'll just keep that in mind well um yeah random episode thanks for letting me try out this format I don't know I mean the reason that it came out this way was just because I was reading the essay and I was like this got at a lot of the themes that I'm and I wrote it much more eloquently than I could now kind of bullet point it out and um yeah and then I guess also it was just exciting because I realized that um writing this essay two years ago was really what got me started on um, kind of Stargirl as a lens for the world. And, you know, I wrote this essay about what she means to me. And then I, in short order after that, kind of, um, not as a plan I was executing on, but just as it happened, I wrote an essay on Emrata and an essay on Addison. And I, it was pointed out to me that this is kind of like the the model of your writing is you like pick this person and talk about what they mean to you and talk about why they stand out and whatever. And I, I just, I realized that I had a category of girls that on the surface were all really, really different, but, and seemed really disparate, but there were qualities that united them underneath and that I was really like obsessed with them. And I guess in sometimes in a way of kind of like code cracking and then in another, just like I was entranced and I wanted to explore them and I wanted to just, yeah, I wanted to like live in, these people's worlds I guess um point being that this type of what makes a girl who stands out was really meaningful to me and I I had all of these ideas that felt related but I didn't have um a project and I'm so excited now that I have um a project and that they all make sense underneath um it reminded me of the end of the introduction in Gia's book Trick Mirror where um, she introduces this idea of breadcrumbs. Um, So she's talking about how when she named the book Trick Mirror and while she was working on this book, someone sent her an essay that she had written years ago in which she had used the phrase trick mirror to describe um, kind of this, an issue of kind of self-perception that she was talking about in that essay and that she was then working through in the book. And um, she says that she had absolutely no recollection of ever having used that phrase before and how wonderful and um, meaningful it was that they matched up now years later as she's working on her book of the same name, exploring so many of the same ideas. Um, And so she says, I began to realize that all my life I've been leaving myself breadcrumbs. It didn't matter that I didn't always know what I was walking toward. It was worthwhile, I told myself, just trying to see clearly, even if it took me years to understand what I was trying to see. So, yeah. I think that's an important sentiment to hold close when it strikes. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
thank you to Grimes for so brilliantly <laughs> living out so many principles that we roll around and around and that even so many other star girls are rolling around and around, I think. Your, your freedom is something to behold. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm so excited for... I'm so excited for it all. Um, talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye.